Hello and welcome to the week five edition of Prepping for Pregame. I'm Pete Rudin alongside Anna Kaiser, Robert Reed, Pete Mills. We are back after a bye week, even though we were still here during the bye week. Yes, but um, we don't have a celebrity guest this week. Yeah, so we're trying to bye week or not. We tried to get Purdue Pete on the podcast. They told us he's a mascot. He physically cannot talk. I'm pretty sure I told what's you the that. Mich- what's the Middle Tennessee <laughs> I, I State? I didn't try to get him in the first place. Mascot? Anyways, Iowa st- still 3-0. and They did not lose last week. Okay. They could not lose last week. So they're still 3-0. and Well, technically, Iowa did lose a little bit. They did lose a little bit. Injuries are still surrounding the team. And, so- wait for it. There's a new injury to add to that list that we can all thank Robert Reed for. I know I this for this week's mm-hmm. Daily Island pregame edition. I have a cover story coming out on Iowa offensive lineman Kyler Schott. Injured and, Iowa offensive yeah, lineman. Now the now injured Kyler Schott, who has a what was it a knee injury? Foot injury. Foot injury. Thank you. And he will be out multiple weeks. Force out here taking L's. So, the Daily Iowa pregame curse, question mark? Yes, it's a thing. It's, it's a real thing. It's right we behind the Madden curse at this point. And the Drake curse. <laughs> I don't know if anything can get that bad. Except the Raptors did and pull off the dub. So Anyways, off. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Kyler shot injury only adds to the injuries Iowa already had in its secondary with Matt Hankins out, Kayvon Merriweather out, and then on the defensive line, Brady Reef is still out. And on the offensive line, Kyler Schott, who came in when Alaric Jackson went down. Alaric Jackson is still out, by the way. So things aren't getting better. Everyone is still out. Actually, they notified me I'm starting the team, starting for Iowa football for left tackle this week, so catch me out there. Breaking news. I'll be safety if Gino Stone goes down. <laughs> Despite these injuries on the offensive line, they lost Alaric in week one, now losing Kyler. They've been rotating guys throughout the th- first three weeks of the season, so they've got experienced guys that can come in and still be productive on the Iowa offensive line, which when they get Alaric Jackson and they get Kyler shot back later in the season should only prove to help them in Big Ten play. The, the thing about it was, though, today at media, Kirk Ferentz didn't really seem like he was giving specific timelines about anybody, but nope. he was pretty hopeful about Alaric Jackson and was saying that he's making good progress. So we have that at least. And I thought this was a week where Julius Brenz would start to work his way back into action, but he's not listed on the too deep. Kirk Farron said he's not going to be back this week, and neither will Riley Moss yet, who was going to be out four to six weeks after the first game. So still waiting on that, which means the secondary still pretty thin. Honestly, though, let's not beat around the bush here. It's Middle Tennessee this week. If they can give all those guys another week of rest and just bring them out full force for Michigan, I think that's probably going to be the ideal situation. And Heron said that uh, Eric Jackson is one of the guys who has been taking steps forward. And I don't know, maybe it could be a possibility where he could play against Middle Tennessee State. That's not confirmed or anything, but even if he could, I don't think he would because they don't need him this week. But if they did need a Larry Jackson, it'll be against a team more like Michigan, not Middle Tennessee, who lost to Duke by 23 points on Saturday. And Duke is not a good team. 
They were reasonably close with Michigan in the first half, though. Yeah. But who knows if Michigan's even a good team at this point? Yeah, you're not wrong. Wisconsin's a good team. Wisconsin's a very good team. I'm pretty certain about that one. But I'm sure all Iowa fans feel a lot better about the trip to Ann Arbor and a lot less good about the trip to Michigan. Less worse, better. (laughs) Yeah. Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat. Heard you here. Khakis. Khaki pants. You can't win in them, guys. You can't win in them. (laughs) Didn't Hayden Fry wear khakis? Did Hayden Fry wear khakis? No, I wore white pants. That's cool. That's a power move, wearing white pants. Yes, that is our power move. Yeah. Stay tuned for my logo featuring Hayden Fry. (laughs) So Middle Tennessee. They have a good quarterback. Asher O'Hara, dual threat guy, leads the team in passing and rushing, 202 rushing yards. And Iowa hasn't fared well against dual threat quarterbacks in the past. If you look at Adrian Martinez in that Nebraska game last season, he had a good game, and Iowa couldn't really contain him for most of it. He's uh, he's also their leading rusher, as well as their leading passer. Mm-hmm. He's the quarterback, so does he's the leading passer, but he's also the leading rusher. Does that say more, though, <clears throat> about him as their quarterback, or does that say more about their actual like run game? As TBD. Though, <laughs> the, the interesting thing, though, was that I was talking to Davion Nixon, and he said that he did face Asher O'Hara when he was at junior college. College of DuPage played Iowa Western, and he was there. Said he's a pretty good quarterback. So that is interesting. Yeah, this little tidbit. And I think it's it's good for Iowa to kind of go against Brock Purdy the game before they play Middle Tennessee, because Brock Purdy's that guy. He can extend plays with his legs, just as Asher O'Hara can do for the Blue Raiders. So I think getting their feet wet with Brock Purdy is going to go a long ways this week. And we're sort of talking down Middle Tennessee here a little bit. I mean, for good reason. I was a heavy favorite and definitely should win this game. But Nate Stanley made it very clear that going into this game, Iowa can't overlook Middle Tennessee. He referenced the Hawkeyes losing to North Dakota State four years ago. He was a he didn't play on that team. C.J. Beathard was still starting quarterback, but he was a freshman on that team. And yes, he just summarized saying you can't overlook any opponent because we've seen even in the past that a team coming into Kinnick like Middle Tennessee could win. And then Kirk referenced you and I in 2009 when Iowa won by one. So there have been a few examples of teams being right there against Iowa in September, but if they've been better in recent years, which is all you can ask if you're a Hawkeye coach. Yeah, I think there was a big emphasis, not only with Stanley, but all the players. The key word that was being thrown around was focus on this week's game, not looking ahead to Big Ten play, which is tempting when you probably should win this game, but they're staying focused and keeping their minds on Middle Tennessee. Having the bye week right before this, too, really helps. Um, just have I know a lot of the guys I talked to today, they focus a lot on um, just kind of their mental strength over the bye week and really focusing in on what they need to do. Obviously, we've seen Iowa not overlook teams this year, beating Rutgers by a pretty wide margin. And then we can get over this kind of, I mean, irrelevant game to most and get to what really matters in Michigan. And something we kind of take for granted sometimes here at the University of Iowa is having a coach with as much experience as Kirk Ferentz, who, you know, he's taken losses like this before and he kind of knows how to prepare teams and stuff like that. Kind of how to control a message in the in the locker room as well is a big thing. So it's kind of an important thing to have a coach like that who's been around the block a couple times. In the end, though, if you're not a player or a coach inside the Iowa program, this week's about one thing, and it's just the one step before Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the big game everyone's looking forward to in Ann Arbor. It's going to be good. 
It's when Big Ten play actually really kicks off because if Rutgers, yeah. 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 Well, then, like, even not even stopping at Michigan, you got Michigan and Penn State back-to-back weeks. And I think it's really going to show us and everybody who this Iowa team is because, again, like, who they faced so far and then the game against Iowa State, which was its own, like, type of thing that we don't even need to get into right now. But the game against Michigan with how Michigan has looked so far and with how Iowa, at least the potential, has looked so far, it's definitely going to be an interesting interesting one next week. And this is when that kind of gauntlet of a schedule that's kind of defined Iowa's season kicks off because they have Michigan, Penn State, like you said, Purdue, who hasn't looked great, but they have some really good players on that team. Northwestern won the West just last year. And then Wisconsin after that. So this is that big stretch. And before we we get there, there's Middle Tennessee, which doesn't really go along with that theme. But the you, you can't overlook them. The bye week comes at a very awkward point in the season. Yeah, it would make a lot more sense to come after this week. Yeah. But... We're chugging yes, along, you don't you always know? get that choice. So speaking of the bye week, Iowa has had some players step up before then in all three phases. So we're going to give a little rundown of our MVPs from week one through week four, I guess, if you count week four. We don't count week. Bye, bye, bye week, MVP, shout out. He just did some weird thing with his hands. You can't see it, but it definitely did happen. And seek reference by Pete Mills. <laughs> Big fan. On the offensive side of the ball, who's had the biggest impact for Iowa, would you say? Nate Stanley. I'm alone in this. I know I'm alone in this, but I'm going Stanley all the way. I was going to say either Stanley or Amir Smith-Marset, who's leading the team in every receiving category. And then Robert made a really good point to me. From my viewpoint, Iowa's offensive MVP through this point in the season is offensive lineman Tristan Wirfs. Originally at that right tackle position, but after Alaric Jackson went down, he's been switching back and forth in-game between left and right tackle. Uh, after the Rutgers game, Kirk Barron said Wirfs had the best game he's ever seen him play, and he's really been a standout all season. It was expected coming into the season, but with all the versatility he's shown and the way he's played, he's been Iowa's offensive MVP so far. And I think a lot of people underestimate how difficult that is, switching between right and left tackle with all of that footwork that has involved and everything else. But without what Wirfs has done, Smith Marset wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Stanley wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Makai Sargent wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Basically, the offensive line would look completely different. It would be a lot more messed up. But Wirfs has been that glue guy. Yeah, he's he's definitely kept the unit together through injuries to other people. Mills, what's your They pick? make a pretty strong case. I think I'm just going to go with who I think has put in the most work in the offseason in the first couple weeks. I think Smith-Marset has improved immensely since last season. Kirk Ferentz thinks so, too. I think that he's looking like a completely different receiver. He's getting open. He's... He's always there for Nate Stanley. Like in the big plays when Iowa needs him, third and 22 versus Iowa State, Smith-Marset was there. I think he's been very dependable the first couple weeks. But that being said, I also think Tristan Morris and Nate Stanley are also very deserving. So there you go. Moving on to defense. To me, there's one clear answer here, and that's Michael Ojemudia. 
I mean, two picks through three games. He's been that one senior leader in the secondary who they desperately needed with all of the injuries they've had. With Matt Hankins going down, Kayvon Merriweather going down, Geno Stone's been in and out towards the end of games. They've needed a steady rock back there, and Michael Ojemudi has has been that and more for Iowa. I mean, every year, one of Phil Parker's defensive backs seems to step up, and it looks like he's the guy this year. He's been Iowa's shutdown corner, really so far making a case as an All-American player. Opposing teams have had no success targeting him, and he's locking down his side of the field for the Iowa defense. Yeah, I can get behind that. He's definitely, especially with all the injuries and stuff, like it's like a Tristan Worth situation. You need that one guy to step up and really kind of be the anchor for whatever side of the ball you're working on, and Ojemudi has definitely been that. And it it so. comes at an incredibly important time for the Iowa secondary with all the injuries and everything, all the young people playing back there. I remember, I think it was week one, Miami of Ohio, he was verbally very aggravated with some of the younger guys in the unit, and having that type of dynamic leader in the secondary, much less the results he's producing, is speaks volumes. But, I mean, I do think this will change as the season goes on. With the way the defensive line, I think, what they're capable of. They only have three sacks through three games, I think. But I think that number is going to go way up. Just Chauncey Golston, A.J. Epinesa, Davion Nixon, I think they kind of all speak for themselves. I think this could be a different conversation in a couple weeks. But we'll, we'll see what they can do against Michigan and Penn State. And as the Big Ten slate heats up. Yeah. So sure. as of right now, we're all in agreement there. Yeah. Look, Look at, at that. that. Doesn't happen very often. <laughs> it's not going to happen on this next one. I know that. I guess you could say we're in full force. Sleepy. <laughs> Team sleepy. Okay, moving on to special teams. <laughs> I know three of us are in agreement. Pete Rudin, Robert Reed, Anna Kaiser. Team sleep. Team Keith Duncan. Keith Duncan all the way. Like, you can't even. Team there's sleep. no way you can even move the needle a little bit on this one. Team Mills. sleep. And Team then sleep. Pete Mills <laughs> is over here yelling, Team sleep. Sleepy. Sleep Dalton. Big Michael Sleep Dalton guy over here. Best addition to this Iowa football team this year. MVP of the special teams unit. Okay, but if you look at what Keith Duncan has done, he's 8 of 8 on field goals, 8 of 8 on extra points, 4 of 4 against Iowa State. They don't win that game without him. No. He made kicks when it was wet, when it was dry, when it was sunshine, when it was raining, when it was dark, from each hash, from the middle of the field, and after sitting on the bench for two years. There's no question. That's, There's no you question. can't replace that. You can't no. coach that. You can't teach that. But the, the other thing is that you can quantify that. You can't quantify the difference that Michael Sleep Dalton made in that 18-17 to 17 win against Iowa State. Like the, the way that field position plays such a big role in close games like that, low-scoring games like that, it's just you can't really quantify that in it just it makes such a big difference in close games and low scoring games and i i definitely think that Keith Duncan has been fire for the special teams but i think Sleep Dalton is just showing a lot of maturity a lot of athleticism and he's making a huge huge difference for you know the Iowa defense starting drives way back in teams like within their 10 yard line almost every time it seems like he's pinning teams back there Co-special-teams uh, MVPs? Something like he that. Oh, makes, I could get he behind some, that. He, yeah. It's a three to, okay, yeah. You moved the needle. <laughs> Can't move the needle. <laughs> I'm going co on this one. That's fair. Co I think because, that. honestly, like, he makes a really good point. That Rutgers game, who knows what happens if Iowa, mm -hmm. if Iowa doesn't give Rutgers the field position that they had. Mm -hmm. 
And I will get themselves into some tough situations in field position, and Sleep Dalton got them out of it. I'm Absolutely. going co on this one because again, like you can like you can't quantify that, but like you can show it pretty well in the Rutgers game, and then Keith Duncan, obviously the Iowa State game. However, the one thing I will say, Iowa doesn't win the game against Iowa State without Keith Duncan, but they do win the Rutgers game without Michael Sleep Dalton. Yes, but I mean, like we're all thinking about Keith Duncan. What about Michael Sleep Dalton on that Iowa? Iowa State. And you can't take a, yeah, what? Like, I mean, who what, even knows what, what happens yeah, what in that case? What he's done has been really impressive after two years where the punting game's not great, and then he comes in and does this, it's his official deal against Rutgers, like you guys said, he's been big. If this continues, but, it's it's the best, like, punting, kicking tandem I can remember in Iowa um, football yeah. in a really long time. Yeah, so. which, another thing with that. Both of these guys are going to be huge against Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I'm Keith Duncan, I'm Duncan so excited to get out there. I mean, I know everybody's going to be, like, next Tuesday, literally there's going to be a crowd of people around Keith Duncan asking him all about Michigan, like, and how he feels going back there. And, like, this is the biggest chance, like, to prove himself, basically, is going back there and repeating what he's done this year and then what he did in 2016. Are we calling a game-winning field goal from Keith Duncan? That, okay, I'm not calling it, but that'd be sweet. That's all I got to say. Keith Duncan back-to-back game winners? Team Sleepy. Okay, Honestly, they should change. just put a statue of Keith Duncan. Also, honorable, in, me- armor. <laughs> honorable mention, Devontae Young being that gunner on special teams, recovering that fumble against Iowa State, that big muff punt as a senior. Just a shout-out, honorable mention. Yeah. He's not going to win the award. He's not going to be the MVP. But Nah, he got pretty lucky with where he was standing on that field some recognition. at the exact moment. So. But some, ne- some recognition nonetheless. I respect it. Guys, we're going to be back next week. Iowa will either be 4-0 or 3-1. One of the two. We'll which, have... which one will it be, guys? What's your take? Well, we'll have football to talk about either way, which is a win. That's true. We'll um, have Michigan football to talk either mm-hmm. way. I'm thinking it's going to be a little closer than people think. I'm not going to lie. But with a dual-threat quarterback like Asher O'Hara, I'm a believer. Iowa's still going to get the win, but I don't know that they're going to cover the spread. It's 24 points. It's kind of a lot of points. That is a lot of points. I think Iowa wins, and Mills, I agree. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I don't think it's going to be like down to the wire or anything like that, but I can see like a... 14-point win, 17-point win. Not, Just, that, not that that's close, but... It's a solid Iowa win. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going 4-0 going into Michigan. I also think Iowa's going to get the win. I don't think it will be particularly close at all. I do think they're going to cover that spread. Mm. I, I think they're going to show, for one thing, that they're a better team than Middle Tennessee, <laughs> and for another, that they're capable of putting a lot of points on the board. Would you put your house deed on that spread? Would you put your job on that? I'm getting there, but not quite. So you will be back next week no matter what. No matter what. You are putting your job, not putting your job, on the line. Well, we don't know if he'll be back no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it, I won't be <laughs> you get I won't be gone because of this pick. It could be because of something else, but I'm not putting my job on the pick. Okay. I, I did. Good to know. I did splurge. I went to Goodwill and I bought a straw hat since playing a team from Tennessee. So... If you see a guy wearing a straw hat running around Iowa City, it's probably me. You didn't just have a straw hat? I don't have straw. I don't have straw hats. You know, hats. Or or press box, Mills. <laughs> I might be wearing a straw hat in the press box. Speaking of, catch our halftime reactions from me and Mills on Saturday. Because Pete Rudin, 
is with his fam. The one game I am taking off of the 2019 Hawkeye football season, but don't worry, I will be back at it in Ann Arbor. Thank you. So it's lit. Awesome. We got you covered. It's all good. They, I trust them completely, fully, read their content because it's going to be fire. And with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in again to Prepping for Pregame. I'm Pete Rudin. I'm Anna Kaiser. I'm Robert Reed. Pete Mills here. And let's keep that football season going. Susan. <laughs> <laughs>